Yo, 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 Joburg. Welcome to episode 242, a missing sunbow episode. My name is Steve. I'm joined by the South Africans. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. <laughs> I'm this is Paul, Paul, and I'm ready to rock and roll, and I'm joined by who else? You're joined by Robert, another South African. Hello, guys. Hey, the love and scoop for. And yes, today it's all about the latest, most exciting development in G.I. Joe comic book publishing. And that's G.I. Joe Saturday Morning Adventures. Hey, guys, what was your first impression of this book? It kind of came out of nowhere, but it's kind of been what people have been wanting for a great deal of time now. Yeah. Um, honestly, I just thought it was a variant cover. When I first saw it, I was just like, oh, that's a cute variant cover. You know, there'll be another G.I. Joe book with like one or two actual G.I. Joes in and, you know. But then, it it wasn't that. It was something much cooler. So and, much more. And long time coming. That was like, when I opened the pages, I was like, I'm sure they've done this before. No, they, they haven't. This is amazing. You know? Finally, a spiritual successor, not even a spiritual successor, an actual successor to the Sunbow cartoon, the much-beloved Sunbow cartoon. It feels like a no-brainer, but uh, they've taken their sweet time to get something like this in the pipeline. Rob, what were your opening thoughts, my man? I think it's crazy, yeah, that they didn't do this sooner. Like, they've tried other ideas with comic books, you know, like their own takes, alternate universes, obviously continuing the original uh, comic books from Marvel with Larry Harmer. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's way overdue and I think it was a lot of fun to read. It makes me want to keep watching the cartoons actually, actually all go going back. Cause I think <laughs> I still have a lot of, I mean, I've watched basically up to where Scoop gets introduced. I know a little bit about Metalhead, but I haven't finished the, the Duke <laughs> series. Wow. Did you ever dip as far as extreme? I think when we were kids, we used to watch when it. When we were little... kids, we watched it on TV, on yes, TV. but I haven't gone oh. back to it, you know, like um, since since it being on television. So I think um, it's definitely the Sunbow, I think, is definitely more memorable to me, at least, from, you know, having watched all of it, um, as opposed to not having watched basically any of Deke and a little bit of Extreme growing up. But I think this was a lot of fun. It feels like a cartoon well, episode. <laughs> It definitely is a guilty pleasure. At this stage, I think we can all do with a little bit of a, the lighter side of G.I. Joe versus Cobra. And the Sunbow cartoon definitely taps into that. And that is what this cartoon, or this, <laughs> this well, there's a Freudian slip, this comic book is all about. It's mm. about tapping into that nostalgia. It does some interesting things that um, the cartoon never quite did. And we'll get into that. But... As I say, we're all about Saturday morning adventures today, and I am not going to be as image heavy in this podcast because, hey, it is a podcast. It's all about the audio. And also, since this is a current comic book continuity, I feel less comfortable, um, I don't know, flashing images up electronically. So the first five pages were released as uh, preview material. And I'll be showing that off. But as for the rest, well, you're just going to have to buy it yourself. Go grab it. I think, I think, I mean, from the initial impressions I'm hearing here, it sounds like we're all endorsing this. So, yeah, go buy it, guys. It's four issues coming out over four months. Uh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> I, I'm really glad to hear, too. It's only four issues. I mean, like, I want to finish the story right now. 
because <laughs> um because i gotta say like when you and and it's not a major this is not a spoiler okay but when you get to the end of the book it's kind of happens it kind of happens so um suddenly that you're like oh okay maybe this just was like a ho- hokey little one shot or something you know it felt I felt like that at the end of it i was like oh you know, I was hoping there would be more. And I think I even asked you guys on the group or in the chat. I, I was like, are there going to be more of these? Because I really enjoyed this one. <laughs> but something I want to no, mention. Stop and, with that. Just and something, something I want to mention that I think is important to mention is I really love the artwork. I mean, yes, it's Sunbo. Um, but I love how how they captured it in the comic book. Like in the sense that uh, it's... It feels like stills from the from the animated series, and that's oh, yeah, very absolutely. impressive. They yeah. use the, the surely just you know for basing the art style, they, they just use the sort of character models from the cartoon. Destro hmm. has eyebrows, of course. <laughs> yeah, man. But it's like everyone so... looks as they should be. Yeah, and it's so there. It's it's not even like like an approximation of it. It's pretty much on point. I, I mean, I could sit here and really scrutinize. And and the only thing I could say that's different between this art and the art on the cartoon is that this art is consistently better <laughs> from page to page. <laughs> right. you know? I hate that cover though that we're looking at now. It's that uh, no offense to the artist, I just really don't love this um, cover that they did with Destro in the tank and Baroness and. Well, let's talk good. credits then, so yeah. that you can flame whoever the artist was. Paul, you're so <laughs> mean. This just episode. Yeah. This issue was written by Eric Burnham, who has done a number of these cartoon-to-print conversions. He certainly did quite a few for Ghostbusters. He's done a Beast Wars comic book. So mm. this is very much uh, his wheelhouse. Uh, Dan Schoenig is the artist. Uh, so Paul, all heap of praise on to Dan for his oh, yeah. uh, so good. high fidelity to the comic book. Or, sorry, his high fidelity to the cartoon uh model sheets louis antonio delgado was the colorist neil utake the letterer tom waltz is the editor or the group editor megan brown is the editor on this issue and diana davis the research specialist i'm sure she's overjoyed to work on a cartoon conversion like this because that is definitely her happy place too now as far as a um synopsis would go (laughs) this is straight out of the cartoon playbook man like this is probably the most cartoony cartoon concept a sunbow episode could ever have had because it involves like mythology um those were always the kind of the hokiest of the hokies Uh, you had episodes that dealt with very realistic things in sunbow you had episodes that dealt with magic conscious that made men uh bow to your will (laughs) (laughs) this is similar to that in that sense that um cobra commander has had zartan steal a artifact from a museum this artifact is in fact hiding (laughs) as destro puts it the lamp of aladdin (laughs) his cobra commander blasts it open and inside he finds aladdin's magical lamp and the fact that this is aladdin's lamp just tells me that this is kind of like some hybrid between uh, the mythological world and the real world because like surely it would have had a more historically correct name in this reality than calling it the lamp of aladdin unless the stories were all true you know the aladdin and the magic lamp like basically children's fairy tale 
It's cute. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of wild because other people yeah. would have used it surely over over time. I mean, <laughs> exactly. it's only one of the persons who owned it. You know, if if this was a historically accurate thing, yeah, it would be the <laughs> mis- the mystical lamp of Agrabah or whatever you want to call it, or the Persian lamp of free wishes or the genie's lamp. But to call it the lamp of Aladdin is very amusing. Anyways, Cobra Commander uses this to grant himself some wishes uh, because it does absolutely conjure up an, a genie. Um, but what does he wish for, gentlemen? <laughs> it's hilarious. A squad of battle android troopers that are gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> Made my monsters grow! But what's very telling is... It seems like it's Destro who's ultimately pulling the strings, which is so typically Sunbow, because it's Destro who whispers in Cobra Commander's ear, like, this is what you should wish for. So I'm thinking at least some way down the the line in this four-parter, Destro's going to kind of seize control himself, that this is, you know, that the commander's being manipulated by his underlings, and it's just so typically Sunbow, isn't it? Destro's got his side hustle going on. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he's as usual, he's actually giving Cobra Commander his best ideas as well. Which is... So, Cobra fun. send the first of these gigantic battle android troopers to raid G.I. Joe headquarters. And the Joes are able to swat this one by flying a Sky Striker into its leg. And, gentlemen... This is another theory that I've consistently held about Sunbow, that Ace invariably always gets shot down. <laughs> like, of all the people who jump into Sky Strikers and take to the skies, Ace is the one who has got the worst Sky Striker loss ratio because it's, of course, his Sky Striker which plows into the leg of this battle android trooper, forcing it down. And I kind of like that because that's a bit of a meta thing as well. So there's so much meta stuff going on in this comic book. And and I love that. Um, uh, this was just a personal giggle for me, but I love the the design of the genie. It is so um, because there isn't a character sheet or character model sheet of that for them to work off. So they definitely had to distill the style from the cartoon, and they got it right. And I also dig that he kind of floats between being almost a, a DBZ looking character as well, which I dig. Um, it's funny, if I'm like... to be critical, I'm not terribly in love with that design. It does kind of break from that style in a sense. I don't know. Does oh, it, I felt does... it totally worked. Yeah, I felt it worked. Because it looks a bit like, if you squint a bit, it looks like Destro with a bokey. With, uh, with a goatee, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose. But what is very authentic to to cartoons of the era is the effects surrounding the genie. It's that kind of like sparkly stuff that I don't know how they did it in in cartoons of the era. It's kind of an overlay that's go ahead, Paul. Educate. It's foil. It's foil. What? Foil. Yeah, it's foil. So they because remember these cells are shot. They photographed. So yes. what they do is they just hit, um, so they hit a light on that and they record um, footage of that and then they just cut it into the episode. They they mask it into the episode or they just layer it over the episode, over the, 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 the uh, what's it, uh, film. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it feels cool like effect. a very authentic effect to the medium. And looking at oh, it I now, it. like 
is there a kind of filter applied to the art to kind of look make it look like an animation cell? Uh yeah, definitely. Wow. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh when I when I did the thumbnail for this episode, um I actually enhanced it even more. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I played around cuz I had one or two artworks that are, that are like kind of flat 2D like this. And what you do is you would like put in a little bit of I mean, this is how I would do it. I'm not saying this is how they did it, but there's definitely a little bit of a noise filter applied to this and I think they've they've um also kind of dulled the colors like you you do like a little bit of a pass you just copy the image over and then you sort of dull the colors a little bit that it gets that sort of um photograph slightly look. washed it's, out like we're watching it on yeah. a CRT television <laughs> well the issue wraps up with uh Cobra Commander sending out another three of the five bat squad uh, to various global destinations, one in Tokyo, one in Paris, and one in Washington, D.C. So we are probably going to have a kind of a globe-spanning adventure over the course of these next three issues. Well, I love this comment. Sorry. <laughs> Chaplin's what assistant is Motopod that? says, Ace, the biggest enemy of the American taxpayer. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, and this is another little bit of meta that Scarlet calls it out. Like she actually mm. says to Ace, you know, I hope uh, you can take out the next battle android or giant bat, mega bat, they call it, uh, without losing a Sky Striker this time. So she's hanging a lantern on the fact that, yes, his track record is terrible. <laughs> I love and it. And she's kind love of it so. being a, a biatch about it too, which is kind of cool because, you know, he deserves never... it, man. You never get that static, you know, in the show, unless it's between like Leatherneck and um, Gung Ho or something. And how do you feel oh, about like bad. the choice of characters that they that they chose to put in the comic book? It feels very much like the Sunbay era. Well, it it tends to span multiple eras, and I, the reason I say that is we don't have Serpentor. Mm. Season two of Sunbow is dominated by Serpentor. We've got some of the trappings of season two. I'm going to scroll up and just uh, make mention of the fact that, like, it seems like the opening shot, the establisher of, like, the Cobra Temple somewhere in the Pacific Ocean is pulled straight from the season two Sunbow opening. This is the 1986 mm -hmm. series opener where G.I. Joe is assaulting some kind of island fortress. There's a pterodrome with a giant snake head on top of it. It's very Sarge heavy. It's very Serpento heavy. We don't assage in this because I'm sure they would love to, but, you know, the guy's got a likeness rights that uh, is probably being held by multiple companies at the moment, and IDW haven't thrown their hat into the ring. Um, but with Serpentor, they decided to lean on Cobra Commander instead. So it's Sunbow Season 1 baddies. We don't have Mindbender yet. That's not to say they won't use him in future issues. Oh, he's but coming. He must be coming. Okay. Then he must be coming. But we don't have him in this issue. So it's yeah. very much Zot, Zot and the Dreadnoughts, not, not Xandar or Zarana. So the sort of season two Dreadnoughts are not into the mix. And Cobra Commander, Destro, Baroness. That's our Cobra High Command. And then you flip onto the Joe side. And while they are predominantly featuring the season one Joe team, like Alpine Bazooka, uh, Ace, Duke, Scarlet, and not so much Flint, Lady J, 
those guys. Um, they do nevertheless have the 1986 guys in the mix. Like I spotted Beachhead in a group shot. Um, mainframe gets a speaking role. Sci-fi has a moment where they kind oh, of... I love that. They're dismantling oh. the mega bat and they're like, man, like why would they make the microchips huge? Nah. Like yeah. unless they actually just enlarge the whole thing, which, is, you know, that 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 isn't the technical way of doing this. You would still have the components like miniaturized. Um, so someone must have just enlarged an entire bat and that kind of speaks to magic perhaps um i don't know terribly paraphrasing there is one little like there's two little snags uh that i picked up in this issue and i don't know if we we want to talk about the snags right now um the first thing i want to and this is not this is not a terrible thing this is just something i've noticed uh when i actually had to scrutinize the book for this episode um, the image that you had on the screen now was of the pterodrome with the big cobra head and all that. And that was drawn in a very like sort of comic book style that wasn't done in the sort of familiar sunbow background painted style. Now, if you want to be really anal retentive, uh, had they managed to pull that off, I think they would have made this even more convincing. Uh, well, that doesn't all the backgrounds that painted. Yeah, well, like, like sunbow cartoons were, you know, like they had a mix of like sort of gouache painted backgrounds uh for you know for scenery for like mountains and the castles and that kind of stuff and then you know sometimes they would have like a cell drawn version of the background which is what you often see in the interior shots here so that's the first thing but i mean listen i'm mentioning that because i feel like our listeners would appreciate that we've actually looked at the comic this much and this hard i don't actually have an issue with it just think it would have been a nice touch um the second snag that i have is this is not the first time Cobra has enlarged something. Um, I just want to put that out there in the Sunbow universe. There is a very distinct, uh, or there's an episode where a certain bird gets very big. I don't know if you guys recall Polly mm -hmm. being a giant. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, like... And also I'm giant wondering... fruit and veg. Yes. So, so th <laughs> this would round out the third time has done some enlargening i'm starting to wonder if like destro is not as original as he likes to think he is hey i wonder what we should wish for hey cobra commander we should make something really big that's a brilliant <laughs> idea no wonder this these sounds can't take over the world it's <laughs> like he had two major hits that being you know the weather dominator and the mass device and then the rest have all been kind of b-sides yeah they're on, yeah they're, um, on the, they're on the the billboards but they're not on the top 10 you know what i mean so. <laughs> but rob you were going to say something about uh character choice and then i jumped all over that but uh, no i was points? more like i was i was trying to like draw out um what you guys thought of the character choices um <laughs> actually um but yeah i think it it does feel very i was just going to say it feels very sunbow like the characters have chosen to feature um like snake eyes is there but he's not yes. talking. He's not. He's not a featured character. But he is inside the panel. Like you know, he's there. Um, but also, I think Quick Kick is there, and he was also a later edition, wasn't he? Or at least he, he isn't a wide shot. He did round out the trio of uh, Alpine Bazooka, and then they kind of found uh, him in the snowy wastes during the Pyramids of Darkness. And um, so, like Shipwrecks here too. I saw him in a wide shot, but he's not featured so much in this issue or this episode. 
Um, Hopefully they'll get also, around to it because a kind of Sunbow inspired comic book that doesn't give Shipwreck a moment to shine would be a shame. Yeah. But it's coming. We're definitely, definitely, uh, just to answer a question in the chats from Darren Cobb, Flint is coming, hopefully with added Lady J. And yes, they do name drop Flint that in fact he is, uh, I think he's in France or he's elsewhere. And so they're going to pull in all their members from around the world to address these mega bat threats in Tokyo, in Paris, and in Washington. Also, so happy they have sci-fi in this issue. Like, yeah. that was really great for me. As a, as a sci-fi fanboy, being my first G.I. Joe and all, it was just cool to see him in the comic. I was not expecting sci-fi. I was expecting the usual crowd, like the Altone or something. So when I saw sci-fi, I actually kind of went, <laughs> I'll do it again for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they, they're not going to do something unexpected like pull in a, a non-Sunbow character or would they do you think we might see like an outback that would be interesting maybe they could I do that very in later miniseries but i feel like at least with this one they're kind of trying to very much lean into like this is sunbow from the from the art style to the to the outlandish uh, plot that cobra comes up with and then also the response of gian joe because the episode, it feels like a proper setup for a, the mini, a miniseries. Like there's three things happening yeah. across the world and they have to go and respond to these things. Cobra will have the upper hand for a bit, but in the end, Joe will win out the day. So it feels very heavily Sunbow. Well, spoiler Maybe. warning, but this comic book series does come out on the eve of IDW's uh, losing of the license. And mm. I'm pretty sure they had it in the pipeline long before the the negotiation you know to retain the license probably was fell through or, or lapsed or whatever the circumstances surrounding it were um so this comic book was always going to be something that that existed um and, and perhaps would have had a future under the idw publisher had they retained the the gi joe license but now it's kind of it's a four 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 issue glimpse at what could have been i don't know oh. if it'll be an ongoing series I, I hope but they can be. It's it's if, the flip side mm -hmm. to that is if there's a buck to be made, someone's going to make that buck. Like even if it's not through IDW, if there's a thirst for this stuff, perhaps the new publisher will absolutely just <laughs> lock stock and two smoking barrels take the idea um, that IDW instituted and just run with it. Like and yeah, run with we'll, it, yeah. Keep doing it. We're in fact hire the same artist because he did a bang up job. Same writer. Let's go. Because, I mean, similar things have happened before. I mean, if you think, I mean, it, independent of publisher, like if you own the license for something and, and things have been published for this license previously, you have carte blanche. You can reprint any and all of that that did, that, that has come up before. I mean, RDW yeah. has done that with um, reprinting all of the Marvel run of Giant Joe. Marvel has done that when they acquired the licenses uh, for Star Wars. They reprinted a lot of the expanded universe stuff um in kind from of like legends volumes from dark horse mm. and then yeah. even i mean it's, it's kind of interesting but at the end of dark horse's um ownership of the star wars license they had also actually started their own ongoing new star wars series that was set um just after uh, a new hope and then when marvel acquired the license they also then set their own comic book series at that same time period I mean, I suppose uh, it's 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 an easy jumping off point, 
um, you would kind of set it there without, you know, kind of like moving forward or moving back and uh, not having to think too hard about, you know, what kind of stories you're going to tell. <laughs> but I feel like if this is uh, popular enough, whoever gets the license next can hopefully keep it going. And I'd absolutely love to see that because I, I like that there can be the the main series, the Larry Harmon series, and there can be these these ancillary series that kind of feed into other versions of Joe that people have really enjoyed, like the cartoon. I mean, it's mm. so good. It even it even ends with like a, a little PSA as well, which I absolutely love, like a one page, you know, public and service. The PSA is great. It's oh, so good. Man. <laughs> it's basically a kid pissed off in his in his room and about <laughs> to kind of I don't know, rage post something on the internet and mainframe like hangs his head through the kid's window and says, <laughs> before you say something mean on the internet, like just think about, you know, like, what does he say? Um, your impact, internet, you know, your words can have a huge impact and the impact yeah. internet's a toxic It's a place. powerful tool for communication, but we don't need to attack others for a difference of opinion, especially <laughs> over a story that can make us the bad guy in our own story. I don't want that Which, mainframe. <laughs> so meta. It's definitely wagging the finger at angry, angry fanboys. And I know I, mm. I can get pretty worked up from time to time. This is very, very pointed at us. But there are a few other Easter eggs that I want to just sink our teeth into. The stolen artifact before Cobra Commander zaps it with his laser and uh, breaks it apart to reveal the uh aladdin's lamp was in fact a, a an art asset pulled from the gods below which is mm. the episode in which so trippy uh, cobra raids a uh, egyptian temple or tomb or pyramid um and cobra commander finds this i don't know this jeweled golden artifact um and I mean, it, it gets pretty trippy indeed. Like the Joes I have an encounter this. with ancient Egyptian gods and there's this kind of like cursed gold uh, plot line where everything needs to be returned to this temple. Otherwise, the gods will kind of rain rain down on earth. Uh, but yeah, basically, I, I, I can't believe I noticed it. I, and then my summer knowledge isn't that great, but I saw this episode in the lead up to recording this podcast and I was like, huh. That's exactly the same art asset. Yeah, one of those Leonardo DiCaprio moments from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, were, you were that meme. Where you're sitting on your couch holding your beer and you're pointing at the screen. You're like, that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Damn. Yeah, I thought you were going to tell me I've, I've got a, a shed with a flamethrower in it. <laughs> Perfect for, for break-ins. Anyways, I just thought I was very, being very clever there. Also, I was delighted to see that the sound effects used when the lasers are being fired, like they, they have the sequence where the sky strikers will take to the sky and everyone's shooting rather, rather hopelessly at the Megabat. And what onomatopoeic expression do they use? What sound effect does the letter employ? Anyone want to guess? I hate it when you do this because I go back. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's it's, it's 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 too chintzy to actually to actually be a valid guess. It's pew. All pew, the lasers pew, go pew 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 pew. pew. <laughs> Which 
is also very meta because you know that's not the sound effect that the lasers ever made that's that's children at play in fact it's not even it's it's adults it's a memed thing we're aping children at play we're kind of it we're sending it up going pew 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 oh dear i love um (laughs) uh so uh, Hans Child mentioned this in the comments. Uh, GI Joe infestation was an act- uh, was actually an excellent usage of the Tulu mythos and GI Joe. I would love to get into that because I believe it was actually quite fun. So, um, but also bear in mind uh, in Sunbo the sort of Tulu influence does come out actually in the form of. Uh, an episode that stars Lady J and Destro and they go to Lady J uh, inherits um, like a mansion or a castle and inside there's like a, a sort of a beast, a creature, an old god, an old one. Um, and that's very much pulled from uh, from H.P. Um, Lovecraft's books. Um, I think it is, it's not In the Mouth of Madness. It's one of them. Anyway. Um, so Hans, go and check that out, dude, because that was very, very cool. Um, my question is, do you think with all of the meta reaching out there and, you know, sort of the op- the, the opportunities that this kind of style of comic book could provide, do you think we'll see these guys? And I'm talking about Mask, ladies and gentlemen. Mobile Assault Strike Command. I think oh. that concept had its time in the sun and that was in the, the Revelations book. Hmm. I don't know if they're going to revisit the well. Like, let's do G.I. Joe for G.I. Joe's sake with only G.I. Joe. Thanks. I kind of much feel as I like this mask. is... Yeah. Oh, no, no. As much as you like Mask. Yeah. No, that's that's where I'm in. That's it. <laughs> as much as I okay, like Mask. No, because I was... <laughs> I think this is the secret sauce. I think... Um, I think if, it, if Mask was in, introduced into G.I. Joe in a sort of a sunbow kind of vein with this uh, art style, I think that is the secret source. That is the way that it's going to work. I think trying to do it any other way probably wouldn't be as effective and it's been proven that it wasn't as effective. Um, but I feel like you bring Miles May... Uh, what's, I keep wanting to call him Miles Mayhem. Um, and you'd be right. Excellent. So you bring Miles <laughs> Mayhem in and you bring... I keep wanting to use his actual name. Our dudes from Mask <laughs> and you bring them all into the Sunbow episode episode style of the gi joe comics and i think you have a formula for success there i i I would i'd be surprised if we didn't see mask sort of stick their heads into this somewhere if they carry on doing it i have two lost easter eggs that i'd love to just hang a lantern on (laughs) so roadblock is running to his sky striker and he says in his sublime rhyme style if you can fly, get your butts in the sky, which is delightful because it rhymes, of course, but is also delightful because it really makes a point of the fact that in Sunbow, everyone can fly a Sky Striker. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was the point of that roadblock? Like, if you're asking people if they know how to fly or, or you're asking people if they have their own Sky Striker personalized and waiting on the deck, like, if you can fly, get your butts in the sky. Very, very, very... Like the word that we tend to use on this podcast, meta. And another meta. thing that I'd like to just point out, I think it's the first time we've ever seen in Sunbow style the battle android trooper with a weapon attachment arm instead of 
just the standard Viper gun, which the bat yeah. is always seen wielding. Because the, the second Finally. time they send out a mega bat, he's got the laser attachment. I don't know, whatever the conical thing is. <laughs> so they've actually used a, a bit of the toy, the actual toy accessory piece. And it seems very much modeled after that accessory piece as well. Like they haven't changed it in any material way. Okay, it comes to a slightly finer point, but it's just cool to see that synergy between the cartoon, the comic book, and even the actual action figure. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Because you kind of look at that and you go, oh, I want to play with my toys now. Because that's what these mm. things are supposed to do, right? Yeah. Well, it's also a total missed opportunity. I mean, maybe it would have been challenging to animate or to, to work up the design sheets for a battle android trooper having three different attachment arms. Like, I suppose your, your likelihood of animation errors just multiplies at that, at that stage. Um, I mean, I don't know how exactly it works, but I suppose it's easier just to have the bat have one standard appearance and one standard armament. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, like, like if it was me, I'd be like trying to find any other way to draw anything other than hands, you know, on there, mm -hmm. you know, holding yeah, things because that's just always tough. a pain to do. Yeah. It would have been cool uh, if the battle android troopers taking on Sarge in his introduction had the claw attachment so that's so much more of a visceral like close quarters weapon yeah, and <laughs> which you could then completely trounce with his swagger stick <clears throat> i mean <laughs> he's weaponized a baton yeah so I, does I've anyone have any it. kind of other points of interest or can we kind of close the chapter on this first issue by just kind of bookending our, our personal favorite moments and maybe something that we liked a little less. Yeah, I think no. we can definitely do that. I no, think totally. I think we've 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 sung we've sung the praises. We we're very much on board with this concept. Well, do you want to kick us off, Rob? What uh, what did you like most about issue 1? What I liked most is it got the tone. It felt like an episode of the cartoon. And it kind of like, it just goes into it. Uh, it doesn't worry about setting anything up other than, you know, just giving you the, the cartoon, um, uh, you know, essential jingle, um, you know, G.I. Joe, code name, et cetera. And, and you just go straight into it um, as, they, as they did in the episodes themselves. Like you just go straight to the action, you, you, you get going. Um, and I, I love that it feels like an episode of Sunbow cartoon. I think probably the only criticism I have is that the ending, it usually the episodes are much, well, maybe not better, but they always seem to end on some sort of like crazy cliffhanger. And this one yeah. doesn't. It's just like, okay, we've set up where we're going to go next. Uh, okay, G.I. Joe, spl we're splitting up. They've got three locations. We've got to stop them. Um, so I'm hoping the second issue has a proper cliffhanger. I think that's the only thing that didn't feel right to me was there's no cliffhanger at the end, oh. even if it's a stupid cliffhanger. Rob, didn't you hear the the musical sting and the swelling mm -hmm. when you know Cobra Commander announced that he's got three mega bats dispatched to various parts of the world and he wants what is it five billion dollars paid into his account or something like that? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I did. I did. It feels like the stakes are very high and, and we are going to go somewhere, but it, I wanted more of a cliffhanger. I wanted something that just, you know, like, oh God, will the Joes get out of this? Which I always seem to, or I always remember feeling, at least from watching, you know, the the episodes of the cartoons, like, oh, how the, how's Lady J going to get out of this? She's falling down a cliff. <laughs> oh, she just fires her spear. Okay. <laughs> but still, it was pretty exciting. The, did you hear the kind of the voice cast in your head as you were reading this? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Wonderful. Uh, speaking of the voice cast quickly, just as a quick segue, I started following um, the the lady who does Lady J's voice acting. Um, can't for the life of I, uh, of uh, uh, life of mine now think of what her name is. I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> I keep thinking of Lady J's real name, Alison J. Burnett. Um, but she's really, really cool. She's like really into G.I. Joe's as toys and stuff as well. Because she actually does quite a bit of toy photography. Um, what? And so, yeah, she does. Like, uh, well, we should probably put her, her handle Mary, in the description. Mary Lewis? Yes. I'll check it out now. Anyway, um, anyway, long story short, it's just, a, uh, it's funny how that happened because yeah. Mary McDonald Lewis, there you go. And I started following her account because it was suggested to me on Insta. Uh, immediately this kind of like circular thing happened, you know, where you do start hearing these characters voices again. You, I, I was just in a very slumbo space and that's one of the things I liked about this. I mean, Rob touched on it and there's not much more I can say about it. Other, uh, well, not much more I can say about what Rob has said, other than I felt like it hit all the right notes with Sunbow for me, except for the little um, sort of niggly point that I made about the backgrounds feeling uh, needing to be painted more like the Sunbow show to be a hundred percent truly authentic. Uh, not that that's super important, and I also liked that this book didn't. It managed to be kind of tongue in cheek without being hokey. I, and I and I have a lot of respect for the writer for doing that, because a lot of guys would probably lean into making this very hokey, very cheesy, very on the nose, and they did, but in the coolest way they could have done it in a in a way that is respectful to the reader, and I love that. I thought that was very well handled. Um, yeah, and I'm and I'm I want more. I I must have more. I need more. This is this is a kind of comic book where. Like, if somebody goes, what is G.I. Joe? I could actually give them this comic book to read. They have, don't have to know anything about G.I. Joe. They would pick up some of the vibe from just reading this comic book. And I really dig that versus a lot of the modern stuff. The modern stuff, you really have to pay attention to what's going on. You know, uh, if, you, if you guys get my meaning. Well, yes, this has no hope of, like, an ongoing continuity. It doesn't really import much in terms of continuity. It's like, it's because of the episodic nature of the cartoon. Like everything had a base level and you'd be returned to that by the end of the episode. Unless it was a two-parter, in which case it would be returned to the base level by the end of the second episode. Uh, nothing changes the status quo. So this is absolutely a continuity that you can pick up and read at any juncture. Um, they could easily make more of these and they just kind of stand alone as one shots and i've always enjoyed a, a gi joe one shot because you don't have to kind of bend your mind thinking like hang on wait this guy is a clone of that guy uh this guy died um and was resurrected 
Um, I don't know what happened to this guy. I don't know if this is the actual Snake Eyes who served in Vietnam. Was this some other kind of Snake Eyes? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, man. This is a very easy, easy read. And sorry, guys, just to just to correct myself, I'm such a poop ball. Um, this Lady J account, I keep thinking for some reason this is the voiced actor. It's not, because guess what? The cartoon is like 30 years old. There's no way that this is the woman who, who does the voice acting for, for Lady J. But it is cool to see that there's a very cool Lady J fan out there who is also a, an awesome G.I. Joe toy photographer. So I just wanted to put that out there. We yeah, should probably still put her name thinking. in the description below anyway. Yeah, I got a little bit excited there. Sorry, guys. Um, and when you made me weeks. Google Mary McDonald Lewis, I found a picture of her with exactly the same pixie cut hairstyle that the current classified Lady J action figure has. I'm like, Ooh. wow. Is that is that possibly a reference <laughs> to the voice actress? Hmm. Possibly. Anyway, it's, I mean, you know, they, they didn't go with a mullet. They didn't go with, like, a shaved head. They went with this kind of swept pixie cut, which is absolutely how Mary McDonald Lewis seems to style her hair. Anyway, coinky dink, maybe. Maybe life imitating art. Maybe that's the sound of Lady J's hairstyle. <laughs> but uh, but uh, coming to my favorite part of this comic book, uh, I got to say, I, I just really loved uh, us running into sci-fi doing stuff that you think sci-fi is supposed to do but doesn't actually do <laughs> you know he's like a laser specialist you know very much like um grand slam and here he is like being the, the it guy and i'm okay with that because that's what he ended up being in the cartoon anyway and i enjoyed that that was cool i i really enjoyed seeing him i was not expecting to see old sci-fi and um i suppose second best to that is um Scarlet actually ribbing uh, Ace for his uh, flying skills. That was actually very cool. That that set Long a specific tone. Yeah. And it also set a tone for this book. I don't know if you guys can agree with that. But I, I, when I read that, I was like, okay. Okay, this mm. is like... This Doesn't is the females like, oh, always happy. give the male stick in the cartoon? Not, not in that style. It would... Oh. You see... Yeah, in the eighties, like I think if they if if women had to give men stick like that in a comic book or in a cartoon series, they would be seen as like really bitchy, you know, and it would be like you you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be seen because you know, like people are stupid about stuff. But like with today with today's sort of uh, sensibilities, you read that and you're just like, Yeah, yeah, she she's she's actually gotten by the nuts. <laughs> and <laughs> I that's don't know what you're talking because about. A guy... I think it's absolutely in the style of something Scarlet would have said in the cartoon. I just feel it's more serious. Um, I don't feel it's as playful. It's not a, it's not a throw throwaway line. She's not like going, ah, ha, 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 Ace, ah, ha, try to bring it back this time. Ah, ha, ha, blink, blink, cute, cute, I'm a girl. She's like, <laughs> you know, she's basically like said to him like, hey, dude. Like get your shit in order, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> that yeah, I've got I've got a line right here. Ace says, "It'd be a lot more impressive if I hadn't sent one to the scrap heap." He's talking about the second megabat, and Scarlet says to that, "And you had to destroy another Sky Striker to do it, I hear." Which exactly? Which is a bit of but snark, her face is, which... like... yo. 
which Sorry. I think is completely germane to the original appearance of Scarlet in the cartoon series. But hey, Paul, you feel like she know, wouldn't just... have gotten away with that in the eighties? I think I think the way that she would have to say it would be just like, ha ha, Ace, uh, you crashed the plane, oh, you suck, ha ha. You know, it would have to be like passive aggressive and stupid. So I'm glad that they didn't do that for this. Because, I don't know, it's a weird thing, like, it's just something I can pick up, or that I, maybe it's just something that affects me, but I just felt like the tone was just elevated by that line. And by her pointing it out the way that she did, and the fact that she wasn't actually making a joke about it. She was like, yeah, you suck at flying, dude. <laughs> Stick to cards. <laughs> Get know? good. Well, for my yeah. part, I just, I, I'm grateful for a comic book series under the G.I. Joe banner that does take itself a little less seriously because i think sometimes we need a little tonic um i'm all for gi joe being taken seriously and it being a gritty realistic story with real stakes and you know that an absence of that ethical bankruptcy that larry talks about when he says like you have to have death in a comic book about soldiers because to to not have it would be morally bankrupt well this is this is a kid's cartoon and it's pitching itself there, but it's a kid, kid's cartoon for adults. It's hitting mm. our nostalgia buzz. So it's going to stay true to that style. And in staying true to that style, everyone has a parachute and everyone shoots lasers harmlessly over each other's heads, it seems. Mm. Um, that said, like in this bleak world that we're currently living in, maybe that's what we need a little bit of. Like have oh, G.I. Joe adventures that are just, just that, their adventures. Sure, there are kind of playful stakes, like you want to stop this ruthless terrorist organization from ruling the world or demanding one billion US dollars, but no one's going to die and everything's going to be okay at the end. The good guys are going to triumph over evil. Ah, <sighs> man. Sometimes we Make need a little bit of that. monsters grow. Hmm. So, it's guys... Such a Power Rangers moment, sorry. Oh, of course. Of course. But... Uh, Power Rangers learnt it from cartoons like G.I. Joe. You know? No? Uh, yes and no, yeah. Yes I mean, and no. Look, when you're talking yeah. live action, it's oh so easy to have giants and miniatures. Um, but Destro got there first, man, with his various embiggening rays and things. Um, <laughs> where do you suppose this cartoon series could go if it had a a less limited run. I, I I'll tell you where I wanted to go. I wanted okay. to cover everything between you know the movie and Deke. I'd love it to do that. Um, oh. That's that's kind of what I'd love for them to do. I, I mean that's a very basic knee jerk response. Um, but I'd love for them to tell a story within its own continuity. I I feel like that's the only true failing of Sunbow is that it was a syndicated show so the episodes didn't really follow in any kind of order. You know, they just sort of came out all the time. I mean, they did come out in order, but they didn't have, you know, if, uh, as you guys know, if Duke bumped his knee on the table in episode one, he wouldn't have a bruise by episode three. You know what I mean? He wouldn't be like, oh, remember that time I walked into a table? Nobody would care. Um, I would like to, I would love to see like a continuity, you know, uh, uh, to, to some degree. It would be cool if they referenced things like big moments like the Weather Dominator or something like that. Um, 
and I'd love to see, like, uh, there's a roster of Joes that I would love to see in that Sunbow style. And I'm talking mm. about characters like 89 Snake Eyes and um, 88 Storm Shadow. And just to name two, um, it would be great to yeah, see but actual Outback. You mentioned Outback original earlier. characters. Yeah, Outback, Sneak yeah. Peek, uh, the, the Rawhides. You know, they, they were going to be the kind of the leads, I suppose, if Sunbow went into a third season. So you'd have Falcon and Jinx and Chuckles, <laughs> Strongman Chuckles, and Law and Order and Big Lob and Tunnel Rat. Like they were going to be our little, you know, core, core group of new characters. Um, yeah, but that... hey, man, that's just the plague of G.I. Joe. Like the roster just expands far too quickly. Um, how, how do you... But How do you also... keep people's interest up by having, you know, your Optimus Primes and your Prowls and your Jazzes while you have to throw in RC and Springer, Ultra Magnus? <laughs> <laughs> Always the same case. Like, the toy company's just going to keep on making new toys. Well, the cool thing is, like, one of Sunbow's uh, strengths uh, is that it always focused on one character in particular. Like, it kind of put more... Uh, emphasis on like airtight for an episode or mm. um, spirit for an episode so the, it would be cool to see the comics doing that with the the remaining roster you know and then break into the 90s stuff like uh, I but then do you ditch the kind of comic book darlings oh sorry the cartoon darlings like alpine and bazooka characters that are second stringers but have a great chemistry and a great history on the sunbow cartoon do you then ditch them in favor of like Big Lob and Tunnel Rat. Hmm? I think you would have to. I, th I think you would have to actually write out the series, um, and see what happens with those characters. It's 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 one of those things. I don't think you can put too much for you know you can't plan for it too much. You know, for example, you could you could introduce Lightfoot as a character in one of these episodes, <laughs> and he could just be such a hit, the way that he's written that people are like, you know, dear IDW, I really love the episode with Lightfoot. You know, I always used to think the toy was BB gun practice, but now he's my favorite <laughs> character. You know what I mean? And there's Chris McCloud doing literal backflips, you know, going light for dinner comic, you know, you know. Wait, so, what? People used it for BB gun practice? I'll hunt you down. Everybody, everybody hates Lightfoot, man. I don't know why. He's fine. Um, I don't know. mind him. He no, was I don't absolutely mind an action figure that I used as a mask character. Because he had Dude, that people cool are removable spoiled. helmet. They, they just didn't have Wild Boar, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm referring, of course, to a South African G.I. Joe channel that, um, and I was privy to this a few days ago where somebody posted a picture of like, absolute worst Joe ever, and it's Lightfoot. And I was like, no. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> No. And then I, I promptly then posted a picture of Wild Boar and that other idiot I can't stand, Monkey Wrench. Or, I mean, Monkey, what's his name? That idiot, I don't even want to remember his name. He's the pilot, he's the driver for the, uh, for the Mean Dog. Um, him and also Major Altitude. I'm like, these are the worst. And then, and I shit you not, dudes, and I'm sorry if anybody on that group listens to this uh, show, I'm sorry, I know this is going to be super judgy. But then a whole bunch of guys are like, oh, I love that character. He's my favorite. And I'm like, oh, it must Idiots. be difficult being blind in this world. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think Re Destro's Razorback made it to South Africa. 
No, so he didn't. people have an awareness of wild boar. You're going with these deep cuts, Paul. Not everyone on your bloody South African Facebook groups uh, have a podcast and YouTube channel celebrating G.I. Joe, man. Not no, no, they don't. But I mean, they're all like collectors. No, but they're all collectors. And they have these guys have actually got fairly eclectic Joe collections, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just weird. Like when I see them like praise a figure like Wildcard. Ugh, I remember his name now. You know, and I'm like, but why? Why do you like this toy? I don't understand. Good power to you, but why? <laughs> you know, I just can't see it. But then again, they're also looking at Lightfoot and going, oh, it's the worst Joe ever. I'm like, no, he's not. He comes from the 80s. He's cool. He, he had you... lenticular accessories. I know. Uh, Two of them, even. Two of them, Back- not all. Yeah, exactly. Backpack and his little R2-D2 robot. And if but you lie Paul, him on his side, you could put him in a mask vehicle, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thunderhawk sideways. Um, but you prompted me to remember something that I wanted to raise and make a, a point of in this podcast. And this is actually like an almost desperate plea, but certainly something that like we as listen to this podcast and 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 readers of the comic books should thrill at doing. And that's writing into idw like Mm. these comic books are currently in print they're being created by a creative team that is currently drawing breath and drawing comic books and they would love to get some feedback in the old school style okay you don't have to snail mail it to them you can write them an email to idw publishing um i'll actually put the email address in the description to this podcast but they would love to hear from gi joburg Tell them Sent G.I. Joe Berg told you to write a letter. <laughs> well, feel free. But I, I would like to implore everyone reading this. Sorry. Another Freudian slip. I would like to implore everyone watching this or listening to this to absolutely bombard IDW's G.I. Joe group with letters. Why the hell not? Let's have ourselves published in a G.I. Joe book. I mean, wouldn't that be the craziest thing of all? Like, I would often pore over those letters pages and wonder, that must be so cool to have your name in print, immortalized for all eternity in a G.I. Joe book. Well, the secret's out, guys. They are starved of correspondence these days. Like, it would not take much for you to get your letter published in a G.I. Joe book now. Just give it a chance. Like, give them a try. Uh, I'm pretty sure Larry would be thrilled to to read it. I mean, they used to get so much mail in the 80s. Like, he would read everything, absolutely. But it was like sifting through massive amounts of, of, of physical letters. Like, that would be a huge part of Larry's day. He would start his day with sorting the fan mail. Like, he'd have a huge pile of no prize requests. A sort of medium pile of genuine questions and like praise letters and then a, a tiny pile of much beloved stuff from actual kids saying like who would win in a fight destro or snake eyes like stuff yeah. like that it just trips me out man and it just doesn't happen anymore so mm. we're not about to revisit the kind of opulence of those those heydays of the 80s and early 90s but we we can at least at least like show 
the creative team that that were out there um because it's also easy like if we want to voice our opinion on a book you no longer write into the book you've got online forums you've got podcasts and youtube videos to either publish yourself or listen to and watch and basically like have your opinions validated by the opinions of others like we no longer reach out to the actual creators anymore and that's a shame man that's a dying art so i'm i'm gonna write them on the subject of this uh, co- comic book and i implore well firstly you two gents if you don't mind but also anyone listening to this who would win in a fight it. like sci-fi or or something main, i saw main, in the main... chats which i absolutely adored uh how long would it take scarlet to destroy a mega bat using only her crossbow <laughs> dude i saw that i think that was darren cobb <laughs> yeah he, he said it at about six months which would have been a great comeback oh my goodness darren you should have you should have written that gag into their book damn it Damn it. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, that's comeback. But Stephen, yeah. if if this keeps on going, what, what do you want to see from from this comic book series? Oh, well, I'm along a similar vein to Paul. I I'd love to progress the series into the Sunbow style. You know, bridge those those gaps. Um the the unseen years, the the 87 team that was left out of the movie. And then the guys from 88 who, you know, people have a valid criticism of the 1988 series of G.I. Joe's that they just don't have strong characterization. Well, there's a reason for that. They didn't have an animated 23-minute cartoon series to flesh out their characters and give them quirks. They're cool-looking toys. They're a great series of action figures, but they just don't have any screen time. Mm. and the comic book didn't really help them much either like they were just pretty um blandly written soldier guys like very professional and they got the job done and they had a few issues that they they kind of featured in but didn't have Mm. the kind of quirks that i feel was the hallmark of the cartoon series yeah true they made airtight this nefarious nerd and they made bazooka like a lovable lunk and they made you know they just gave everyone a a type a very bold choice and and that kind of made the character take life and stand up and walk around you know you've got to make those bold choices and you've got to use animation as the medium to make it happen i'd be very interested to see how they characterize shockwave for instance because right now he's an absolute cipher. He's a blank slate character. Doesn't even have a face, unless you take Deke to be your <laughs> your character <laughs> sheet. Dude, I you know what could also be pretty interesting is if you took existing comic book stories, you know, and sunbowed them, you know, like um, uh, I'm trying to wow, like I'm thinking of that whole um, and I'm sorry if I'm gonna get this mixed up, but. The whole uh, Zartan infiltrating the pit, if that was done mm. as a Sunbow style episode, you know, with the Sunbow versions of the G.I. Joes, not the comic book versions of them. I think that could be really, really cool. Um, the chase through the street with uh, with um, the girl with the, with the bubblegum. I'm trying to remember her name now. Um, 
Bongo the balloon bear. Yes. Bongo the balloon Can- bear. Candy apple. Candy apple. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What a name. But but how cool would that be? I mean, that feels like it should be in a Sunbow episode, you know? Um hmm. like I'd love to see some of that stuff kind of revisited. Like maybe like maybe in the Sunbow universe, they could be watching uh like a series called action force <laughs> uh-oh um and in action force no it's they like, won't you, no they, they won't. can't do that but no they can't because all oh, it depends let's see how bobby feels but um because remember it's not hasbro it's still gi joe and bobby loves gi joe so uh but like yeah they could be watching a show and then it could the whole episode could be the show that they're watching which is actually just an episode from the comic book that's been sunbofied with them you know replacing the roles of those characters in there in that show i mean that's like super meta we're starting to get hideo kojima levels of meta now in the in the sun lovers taking a step back from meta i think i've always been a strong proponent proponents of letting the toys dictate the plots so in a kind of a season three of sunbow like i know gi joe went to space a number of times in seasons one and two but like this opportunity to start again afresh, uh, do things almost a little bit retrospectively. Now that we know the direction the toy line took, we can better pace out the episodes and and let the as I say the toys dictate its direction. So, what was the big ticket item in 1987? It was the Defiant Launch Complex, and I would yeah, love that in a for yeah. for that to be the central MacGuffin of the next miniseries. That it's yeah. a struggle to, well, it's it's GI Joe trying to have mastery of space, and they've got this this incredible space complex that they are, are finishing work on, and of course Cobra's trying to sabotage it and undermine it, and in fact capture it and and have conquest of space for themselves um, to make that the central point of your your miniseries is a win win for GI Joe fans because. It creates a plot line that we have in an immediate connection to because it involves toys that we love instead of like something hokey and something external to G.I. Joe, like Aladdin's lamp. You know, it's great and it makes for a great plot driver, but like there's enough plot drivers within the toy line to get me fired up. And the second point is I just want to see all the toys in that style on the page. Yeah. I think that's yeah. me too. Yeah. So do it. Yeah. Do that. We've got some great suggestions in the chat. One I'd like to bring up is Mr. Hans Chow. Oh my God. A con- continuation of the alternate reality where G.I. Joe was destroyed and Grunt, Steeler, and Zap stayed behind with the Baroness to restart G.I. Joe in the Sunbow style. Yes, absolutely. Worlds without end. Let's see what became of those guys. Probably be Did Steeler and Baroness punch out some kids and they became the future of the resistance? I hope so. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds... I mean, why not? I'm sure they oh, I'd love to revisit There's that. No I TV mean, in the future. One thing I'd love if, if they could revisit that Toy Master dude. Like, I've always wanted a yes. sequel to that episode. I absolutely love that episode. It'd be so cool. Like, I would agree as long as Baroness is in a bikini for the entire episode again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, dude, as long as I see, like, it's going to sound so typical, but, like, I also really love those female Cobra Troopers, dude. I actually like the Worlds Without End 
female Cobra Troopers even more. So yeah. the toy masters like, like busts like <laughs> like they're they're on like vacation on a beach or something, and he kidnaps a whole bunch of <laughs> Cobra like officers and Baroness, and they're all in bikinis for the whole episode. <laughs> How cool would an episode with low light like be, with low light be? I mean, we see him for like. I think a whole four seconds in G.I. Joe the movie and we see him a little bit in the Sunbow show because you're like, I'm afraid of the dark. But how cool would it be if like Cobra's like, my new troopers, night vipers. And then, you know, and then Lowlight has to like go and flex and he's all like, oh, I can shoot night vipers as long as it's dark. I can shoot anything in nighttime. You know, kind of thing, you know, that, that could be a lot of fun too. I mean, I went down the rabbit hole with ideas for this. I was like, uh, I mean, I had one idea... And Steve, this is partially um, inspired by you, <laughs> but and also partially inspired by pretty much the only GoBots episode I can remember, where um, like somehow the GI Joes get <laughs> shrunk into toy scale. Oh, you know, okay. Cobra claws are coming to town. Is that it? No. Uh, Cobra claws. Oh yeah. Hey. Who Isn't is that, that where the like this? mini rattlers and fangs and fire bats and whatever and it's all smuggled into joe headquarters in a sack like santa yes, claus's because like toy sack. yes like presents yeah i vaguely yeah. remember it yeah because i'd love to see more of that kind of thing that could be quite fun um i love i love it when it's like i, I think it's just because well it's we were thinking of doing a play toy. motion weren't we where we had yes. like the house in one-to-one -one scale and literally the Joes had been shrunken down and they were having a clamber on top of the kitchen counter and oh look out the the, the hot plates are on ah the traps everywhere someone put the toaster on ah i fall yeah, like in. backyard battles yeah that's exactly. that's kind of where we were going with that and mm -hmm. where we might still go i don't know we have so many ideas that we're trying to pull off i mean i even had Rulof uh the other day get hold of me asking me uh, like when are we going to do the next one? Because he, him and Mark had some time off oh. um, and they wanted to know if they, you know, if they could shoot some footage. And I'm like, oh, I don't know which one we're doing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that's got to happen. Rolf, but I mean, that's Ronald? one idea. Yes. Sorry, Ronald. Yes. Sorry, dude. I've, did I say Rulof? <laughs> you had South Africans on the brain, my bro. I have South Africans on the brain, yeah. Um, and then another idea um, I kind of had was you know, I kind of, uh, this was, this was quite funny. I'm sure a lot of you guys saw this on Facebook. Uh, somebody posted a picture of a lot of um, adventure people from, from Fisher Price. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of all, of all of those people is a leatherneck, you know, in his like giraffe pants. And I mistakenly, I got excited seeing that because I was like, wow, look at, you know, look at Bazooka, in, you know, infiltrating uh, and true Paul style infiltrating um, the Fisher Price adventure people, and I had a good laugh at that because I was re referencing that whole uh, undercover idea I had for a TV show for him, and then I was corrected in that no, that's actually Leatherneck, and then I felt like a real goofball. But then I was like, but wait, still <laughs> maybe it's Bazooka disguised as Leatherneck, disguised as a normal person in the adventure people world, um, but. Anyway, the, the long story from that, uh, the whole, the short version of that is, I still think it'd be cool if you actually had not just Bazooka now, but Bazooka and Leatherneck in this like sort of fictional town where, the, uh, you know, something weird is going down and there are two G.I. Joes that are in this town, very much like the 
Springfield comic. Uh, who I think it's Clutch that goes to see his family on holiday or something, and the whole town has secretly been taken over by Cobra. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Back then there's a cool like Jersey. sequence with a bug in there. And I thought, hey, that would actually be really rad if it was like Leatherneck and Bazooka, but in a Sunbow style. In the, you know, the Sunbow version of them because they're so large. Oh, wait, you're talking about the one where Mutt, Mutt goes back to his hometown. Yes, it's Mutt. Yeah, sorry. Millville, Millville, I think. New Jersey as well. Yeah. But dude, that would still be cool. Even if you now had to add Mutt to the mix, hey, like uh, Battle Force, uh, Battle Core Mutt. To, to the mix of Battlecore Leatherneck and Battlecore Bazooka. I'd love to see that episode in Sunbow as well. That could be fun. <laughs> you know? Look, in terms of the immediate, I'm going to make a prediction, guys. So there's a mega bat deploy. Chances the Eiffel Tower is going to survive the encounter. Zero. <laughs> I think they're going to take out the Eiffel Tower. I also think Dude. in Tokyo, they're going to take out Tokyo Tower. And they're probably going to destroy the Washington Monument in DC. And so Dude. Duke Duke's gonna have to use three wishes at the end of the miniseries to resurrect all these fallen monuments. Nah. I how cool would it be? I mean, like Tokyo Tower always gets taken down in like Godzilla and stuff as well. It's like Mothra or whatever well, will like pop so up. So typical like G.I. Joe's gonna win the individual battles, but like the cities are gonna be wrecked. They're going to be in ruins. So Cobra will have won the day in in, in that sense. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure like G.I. Joe is going to get hold of the, the lantern and put everything right. And then lock it away for, uh, for use in another deus ex machina situation. Yeah, like put it in the same place as the Ark of the Covenant or something. But... Uh, I was watching this thing on Netflix. Uh, it was uh, Hollywood cliches or the movie movie cliches. Uh, like just look up movie cliches. It's uh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole like little docu movie mentory thing on Hollywood cliches. And they actually have footage from the the GI Joe uh, movie where the Eiffel Tower gets taken out, and they <laughs> they just kind of mention how they love killing taking out the Eiffel Tower in movies. And so as soon as you said that, my first thought was like, oh, yeah, they should do that. It's like proper cl a cliche. Also, it'd be great if Godzilla popped out of nowhere. Like, where's Gaz? We've got a request from the chats. Hans Chow wants to know what Duke's three wishes would be. And now I've already weighed in. It would be to resurrect the Washington Monument, the Eiffel Tower, and Tokyo Tower. But uh, outside of that, gentlemen, what would Duke wish for? Uh... That Snake Eyes doesn't exist. <laughs> Three Scarlets. Mm. Ace, uh, Ace stops crashing his airplanes. <laughs> yeah, Ace stops. Uh, if he could stop being kidnapped ever again, like if he was never ever kidnapped by Cobra again, that would be great. And I think nice. the third one would be um, if Falcon could not develop a drug problem. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, gotta keep my brother safe. There you go. Or that he wouldn't have to salute Falcon, perhaps. I mean, man, it's it's always that awkward thing, man, between the, the mm. two brothers. Uh, but yeah, Rob, do you have anything to add? Do you want? Oh, uh, I think yeah. Stop, stop crashing those those airplanes. I think. I mean, Paul's suggestion of never getting kidnapped again is fantastic. <laughs> Who's the one getting kidnapped? I mean, like, how it does is. that keep happening to him? 
He's the blonde. Dude. This, this is too many toes, but he's he's the one. <laughs> All right, let's close the chapter on this first part of Saturday Morning Adventures. Thank you, IDW, for taking the plunge and doing it. Yeah, I look forward to reading the other three. Uh, and I obviously give it my highest recommendation to anyone sitting out there scratching their heads wondering what the hell have those G.I. Joe guys been talking about for the last hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. Get a copy. It's good stuff. Oh, this is cool. Sorry, Hans, Hans's uh, top uh, comment here was great. Snake Eyes out of existence. Paul and I were on the same wave wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, bro. <laughs> Duke once got it all to himself. Oh. So we got some great fan mail in the last week. Well, I don't know if I can call it fan mail. It's mainly just a, a, a fan of the show, a friend of the show. Lance Toth shared a piece of artwork, which I absolutely adore. It's oh, a his wow. tank cresting a hill. Show us. And beneath it, we've got Spirit roadblock and i think airborne no it's duke and uh yeah man it's a very desperate situation it's done up in in pencils oh, wow stunning Sorry. stunning artwork i just saw it i like looked up <laughs> wow i carry I'll on look up yeah we love 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 seeing what the fan community produces um and it's super super impressive so thank you lawrence for sharing this with us it's just totally unsolicited. There's no text in the email. He just sends me an image. It's like, there you go, Steve. So much I appreciated. Angle. Mm, How cool is that don't angle? See it like, much. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. It's got such great drama. Yeah, Thanks it's a desperate Lance. situation Definitely. for the Joes. But I just thought, like, if you are firing at a hiss from a low angle like that, surely that's the weakest point of the hiss, like the underside. Well, apart from the glass canopy and the absolute no protection for the gunner, but like outside of that, shooting its soft belly, you'd probably you'd probably have a chance of coming out of this encounter alive. Yeah, but it'll still fall on you. I don't uh, know. I'm just <laughs> making stuff up. <laughs> Those are some big ass treads to be engulfed by. Damn. Rob, have you got anything you'd like to pull from uh, the previous recording session? I know you guys were having power issues, but uh, if there's any comment that you'd like to highlight, we are doing that now. Rob, once a week, will pull his favorite comment from the previous week's podcast, uh, YouTube comments thread. <sighs> Try and say that five times fast. You have been and warned. He, and again. he will pull it into the show uh, for us to scoop well, and have a laugh about. Once again, I have two to do because obviously with Ooh. not being here last week, I get to do the previous episode too. So for episode 240, Turncoats, Turncoats, oh wait, I'm, I'm looking at the, the thumbnail. I just realized that's a really cool thumbnail. Turncoats is turned upside down. Oh, nice. Thank you. I do try. <laughs> I like uh, Outback Stu's good show, guys. They need to make a tiger that transforms into Outback. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was, that was pretty that was pretty fucking good. Uh, and I see, you know, yeah. And then the comments from next last week's episode, no one mentioned me not being there. I was very upset about that. <laughs> um, nobody. And actually a pretty straightforward comment section. Um, very few comments so far. Um, Action Robot Punch appreciated that, uh, that, we were introduced to Talking Joes. 
he knows on a previous Joe, Joe, Joe Brick shows we've heard he talked to Chief about figures, but it, I didn't realize he'd started a show discussing the comic and that was an ongoing thing. I'm going to go check it out and sub for sure. I loved getting the G.I. Joe comic when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I mean, I sometimes lose sight of the fact that like podcasts can be pretty insular at times, but we've always tried to you know, speak as highly of, of, of the rest of the, the G.I. Joe podcast community as, as possible. And absolutely, the guys from Talking Joe do a fabulous job. Um, their coverage is very, very comprehensive, almost second to none. They're peerless in their approach. They've done the entire A-Raw continuity. Okay, you can find a podcast on absolutely anything published by Marvel Comics between 1982 and 1994. But in addition to that, they are doing the continuation of the run into the IDW years. They're even doing the Devil's Due publishing stuff. So... As I say, there is not a more comprehensive, complete list of reviews of old comic books and even current comic books. They they are so on top of it that they are one to one with current releases. As a comic book comes out for GI Joe, they review it on the show. That's uh, yeah. As I say, peerless. No one else is quite, kind of keeping 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 up. No one else <laughs> is current with the, the continuity like they are. So uh, they get my highest recommendation as well. And hey, you might even hear my voice in some of the older episodes. <laughs> hey. Oh, dear. And um, while I've got the mic, I just want to quickly just shout out a happy Mind birthday. taking the mic. <laughs> <laughs> taking uh, it back. I just want to do a small like happy birthday shout out to Carson Metaxas of 3D Joe's. Happy birthday, dude. I don't know if you actually listen to us, but, you know, our wishes are out there for you. And another very cool G.I. Joe human being has had his birthday recently. Um, and that is HCC. So, yeah. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Brian. Yeah, man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I hope you yeah, had a great one. Birthday, so, mm. um, and guys, yeah, like, I mean, if I know they're happening, then I'll, I'll shout them out. If I don't shout out your birthday, I'm sorry. It's just probably because I didn't know about it, okay? But uh, I just... You know, I just no, Paul, you've set the precedent now. I want birthday wishes every episode. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. Like, everybody. <laughs> everybody tangentially so, so like, connected to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to get their birthdays. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was cool because I, I just thought it was his birthday the other day, both Carson and HTC, and I was like, oh, rad. You know, happy birthday, dudes. Anyway, yeah. So I had to throw that out there. Anyway... What were we talking about again? Cool messages, cool mails. From, you got some from... new shit, dude. I got some new shit. Okay, so I want to do it this way. Because I'm not expecting to get any new shit for a, a, a month or two or three months. I would like to space out my new stuff. And I definitely want to talk about <laughs> one of the cool things that arrived. I got a lot of cool stuff recently. Well, yeah, it's a lot. It's like about four or five figures. But... The ones, those figures I want to talk about today, and these I feel are the most topical right now, is this bad boy. I've got Whoa. my retro, yep, my retro O-ring Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow have arrived uh, from the States. Uh, thank you very much to Bart for holding on to them for me, uh, because I had to ship them to his house. And guys, i got to say, they are pretty awesome toys. Now, I don't want to go into too much of a review here. Because I am actually busy in the, uh, I'm I'm in the, 
the process of like shooting footage and making a little review for them. Um, I've just actually just been having a lot of fun playing with them and sort of just recording my thoughts while I've been doing so. So I don't know if it's so much a review as it is just me talking over footage of me playing with them. But anyway, whatever's. Uh, really, really like these. Uh, very, very cool toys. Uh, definitely, I mean, just off the top of uh, of my head right now, just some things that are worth mentioning. If you haven't got gotten these guys before, uh, one thing that you're going to notice, they definitely do feel different. I mean, that's something we've spoken about on the show quite a few times. Steven has definitely pointed out the whole, um, will it pass the touch test? Well, uh, if you're trying to convince somebody that these are legitimate vintage figures, no, they're not going to pass the touch touch test. But the touch test that they do pass is that they feel good. They feel fun. They feel like they're easy to play with. They don't feel like they're going to break too easily. I mean, obviously, just, you know, be careful with them anyway. But the thumbs feel pretty good. They feel quite rubbery, which is nice. Um, so you don't freak out putting the weapons in them. And that's quite great. Uh, that's something that I really like a lot about them. Also, this is my first snake eyes version one i've never had snake eyes version one before i don't have snake eyes version one and now i finally have snake eyes version one and it's a cool feeling the other cool thing that came with this obviously storm shadow is in this uh, package as well uh, as soon as the picture decides to actually upload because it's apparently massive um storm shadow i have one or two little gripes with um personally but all in all, it's great to have a Storm Shadow to play with, to take around, you know, the house and, you know, fight imaginary bad guys. And I don't have to worry about his crotch breaking or his thumbs popping off or, you know, him genuinely just breaking or dying or being scared of dropping him. And he can hold his swords, which is pretty awesome, actually. So that is that is a small win. Um, they have done a few small changes, something I'll talk about in the review a bit more. But seeing as you're with me, uh, the backpack has got some major changes. I don't dislike them. I just think they're odd choices. And I'll go into that in the review. And then um, I thought something that I thought was kind of odd between the two figures actually was Storm Shadows paint apps. Like for, you know, to cover up the little um, rivets. I feel like quite sloppy compared to what they did with Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes... Um, you can't really see them in the shot, but the way that they've covered up the rivets, like they've painted the rivets black, they pulled that off better than what they did with, Snake, uh, with Storm Shadow. With Storm Shadow, it just looks a bit splotchy. I thought that was a little bit of a not-so-cool thing to do, but hey, whatever. Um, they're good enough to play with. The extra accessories, take them or leave them. Um, they unfortunately give you the worst version of... 89 Snake Eyes' sword, which is the one that came with... Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Valor vs. Venom. Of course you do. Um, it brings back PTSD for many of us. Um, but they give you the Valor vs. Venom uh, Snake Eyes sword, which is lame. Because it just is. It's lame. It's flimsy. It's going to break. It's got a fat handle. It's not cool. Um, but everything else is actually pretty fun. Yeah. And anyway, guys, enjoy the pictures. Because these have been really, really awesome. It's been great playing with these toys again oh and be careful uh, guys uh, if you are going to get them please be so careful with the stands i know that they've re-engineered the feet a little bit to fit with the stands but i don't fully trust the stands yet and i also feel like in the case of snake eyes his right foot fits in the peg but the left foot not so much <laughs> and yeah so i've just been having fun with this and making fun of the box 
These are great pictures, and they look like really good figures too. I'm looking forward oh, to that thanks, review. Dude. Yeah, they they just it. I understand why people love this version of Snake Eyes, and this Uzi. Oh my word! Like <laughs> one thing I gotta say: if you have absolutely no intention of being excited about the O-ring re-released figures, like if if you're not or not in intention, if you look at these and you go, "Oh, they're not for me. I've got the originals. I'll be okay. I'll live." That's totally cool. But if you want some fantastic accessories, uh, like really high-class versions of these Uzis, um, then I don't know if the price of the box warrants buying it purely just for Snake Eyes and Storm Shadows gear. But for me, it kind of does. <laughs> because the gear is so well sculpted and so well molded. It's sharply detailed. It's beautiful. Um, as you on, can are you see talking about shots. the additional box? Or no, the additional bubble both. space allotted to both. the yeah okay yeah so so both so the but so before the, you the... just said like the some of the additional accessories are absolute pants like the yes the no, 89 i'm talking about that sword. yeah like that's that's the stuff so when i what i meant with the additional stuff was the 89 snake eyes stuff i feel whatever's you know take it or leave it i don't think it's that great but the additional like the the additional set of nunchucks that you get and the additional uzi that you get for snake eyes that kind of makes it worth it for me because now you have a very high quality a sharp sharply molded uzi to go with your your version one snake eyes if you have one lying around in desperate need of a good looking uzi look or the criticism like... that i see most commonly is that people are enjoying this o-ring relaunch but not at the price that it currently commands because mm -hmm. effectively what those additional accessories are doing is padding out the perceived value to make you part with as much money for these o-rings as you would for a classified figure true that's effectively what's happening here and it's like can we just rather you know, get rid of the collector's box and the additional accessories. Just give us the standard presentation on a card for a few bucks less. And Hasbro says, uh-uh-uh, that's not how we're doing it. We're going to give yeah. them to you two at a time in this collector's box with some additional bits of plastic in the bottom and demand... <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, maybe they would give you a Megatron pistol with the, the, the forthcoming Cobra Commander and Duke pack. Who knows? Possibly. Anyways, like that's that is the criticism with this O-ring relaunch is that well, firstly, it's only available through Hasbro Pulse. We want more widespread availability, but uh, also just the fact that like you know, the prices are jacked because of these extras that no one really asked for. Some yeah. people enjoy. Some people know that it's just going to go straight into the draw, never see the light of day. Yeah, I the think they're thing... approaching it yeah. from a very different collector's perspective. Because, mm. like, the thing with G.I. Joe is that the original line was so huge. And we all own, or most of us all own, a lot of figures, a lot of accessories, a, a lot of stuff, a lot of variety. So when you bring out a new O-ring line, what do people want? I think variety. You want to see mm. all of these characters again, brand new, feeling new. You, you want them fresh and 
and, and new. <laughs> but what um, you don't want to right. additional accessories. You, you that don't need just any of that, that necessarily. They could essentially mm. release these figures with just the figures. Maybe with the original mm. accessories or maybe different yes. accessories, and then you're fine. You don't have to go crazy with like exclusive packaging because the thing is, we want all the characters. The thing is, also, you, yeah, with all these companies bringing out these G.I. Joe stuff, it's not G.I. Joe, it's Snake Eyes and it's Storm Shadow. That's what all yeah. these companies are doing. They're doing a Snake Eyes, their version of Snake Eyes and their version of Storm Shadow, like they do with big superhero characters like Batman. You can find a different version of Batman from hundreds of different companies, and you can choose yep. the version that you want. But G.I. Joe is, as I, I think I've always said, is it's, it's a team thing. It's it's about the roster. It's the variety of characters that you can get and play with, and the vehicles, obviously, as well. Mm. So what people want is variety. We don't want to have to pay out of our noses for the same figures that we already own in new fancy packaging, which we're just going to throw away. <laughs> well, on the note of the packaging, uh, I loved this point that Adam Riches made on the most recent Full Force Monthly when he mm. said that the bubbles themselves, like Hasbro's all about cutting down on their, their plastic usage. <laughs> the bubbles on these retro cards are so, so extra. Like they're yeah. bigger. They've got an inner, you know, you've got the, the original bubble, but then, and that's kind of bulked out quite far. Reason being, they've sitted the figure into an additional sort of secondary tray yep. of plastic, which give them these strange, like, love me arms because they're kind of like slightly, <laughs> yes. slightly yeah. posed forward, which is hilarious. But it's oh so much God. extra plastic where they all we like want mummies. for that, that yeah. true retro experience is just just chuck the figure into a nice slim fitting single Box. bubble. That's how oh, we got so... it in the eighties and in the nineties, literally the figure, the, it was not molded to the figure. The figure yeah. was, went into a generic little plastic piece. Okay. Maybe the, the piece where the accessories are in was slightly different because it depends on how many accessories they come with. But then is the, the card, problem is the perception you know, that like Hasbro would then like the execs would be like, no, that looks tacky. The figure's kind of off to the side, you know, he's at a diagonal slant. We need the figure kind of rigidly posed, pre-posed in the packaging. Is that the thinking modern toy companies have? God, I, I don't even know. I think I think when they when they think of vintage toy licenses or like um legacy um things where they're reproducing things for nostalgia's sake, they do start to think, okay, these people are older they can afford to buy these things at a higher price point because of the nostalgia factor. But our mm. nostalgia also stretches back to, to getting things more so the way they were, you know, not just getting the toy to look the same, but we maybe wanted more the way how we used to get it. I mean, that's always the mm. thing that I've, I've always wanted to be able to do is go into a toy shop and actually yeah. buy my favorite characters again. I want that experience. It's not just about, them being in a fancy packaging. Like, I just want to be able to see this toy at my local toy shop or even at the, the bloody pick and pay or the grocery, the grocery place, you know, and just be able to like take it off the shelf and have that experience for myself. You're, you're going to make so much more money if you just make them as cheaply as possible, like you used to do, you know, mass produce them, send them out into the world and you're going to make money off it. Of the so people guys, who love G.I. Joe and the people who want to love G.I. Joe. We're going down I, the rabbit hole right now. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, books. 
But absolutely <laughs> right. And I do want to address this in the chats just very quickly. Uh, Ryan, very, yes. Yeah. He says that I th we might have it, have the wrong end of the, the story here. The packaging and accessories are made from existing tooling um, and they have that they currently have, with the exception of Storm Shadow's backpack, uh, that the $40 cost is from the new tooling and the fact that they're not producing the volume they used to. Also, I don't think any chain retailer wants O-rings right now. Absolutely. This is so niche. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the other side of the coin. It's like, obviously, I want this full experience that we had when we were kids, when everyone was kids. But mm. it, what, what he's brought up there is quite true. It has become a very niche thing. And to be able to, I suppose, justify even making them, they have to put that higher price point on them. Well, so cover the cost of making them. I, I don't know. Look, we're not going to see the kind of widespread um, distribution that we saw with like retro Ghostbusters or retro um, Star yeah. Wars. He-Man, sure. Is, that, so, is, this, is the faith in G.I. Joe retro retail that low? I don't know. I think, we'll think G.I. Joe still it's has to build a lot of... I think it has to build a lot of retail... Um, uh, what's the word? Retail faith. <laughs> um, yeah, that's I think it's all like recognition. Again, yeah. But it's difficult so, yeah. because they keep keep taking weird steps with 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 the tie-in properties, you know, like the movies and things. So obviously, what? it's more difficult for retailers. But anyway, we've really classified has weathered the storm. <laughs> like movie, be damned. Classified has never never done better. Like the six inch, by all accounts is exploding but anyways we yeah, yeah, yeah. this is definitely tangential and uh i'm gonna hold back on on the super seven teaser reveal but basically the next ultimates is going to be storm shadow and it seems they have adopted a comic book inspired styling for him because he's definitely yeah. showing off in a russia cargate tattoo a la issue 21 but hey play the character's best hits and Let's face it, Storm Shadow's best hits weren't necessarily in the comic, uh, in the cartoon series. The ninja mm. is a weapon. But that Something is our show, oh. gentlemen. Oh, because I wanted to off mention off. one more thing about the retro okay. O-rings. No. Talk about it. One more thing. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing. Guys, uh, something I do... Uh, you mentioned the whole thing with the big blisters. When you take them out of that um, packaging... You definitely get the feeling that they're designed to stand upright so that you can put them on your shelf or something and display them um, because they've they've brought the blister down to to the foot but of so the car. So it stands up. So it stands up. Um, so, yeah, so they've def I, I feel like that's kind of the intention there. Um, the card back is very soft. It's it's very much like the retro modern era, the, the so-called retro line that G.I. Joe have done with the modern repackaging it's so confusing thank you hasbro for that anyway it's the same quality card more or less maybe a little bit firmer um but something i do want to mention and this is a serious serious pet peeve for me um and i know why hasbro is doing this and mauler joe and thank you mauler joe for actually having this on your channel uh, because Knowing that it was coming my way actually softened the blow quite a bit. And I'm hoping that this helps a lot of our listeners and viewers with this. Uh, if you are going to buy these figures. Guys, the ports for the back peg, for the, for the backpacks, are slightly different in size. Okay. They are, it's weird. I don't know. I can't 
tell you if they're bigger or smaller because for something for some backpacks they kind of work um and for others they don't now i know a lot of us are not going to sit there and switch a whole bunch of different backpacks onto our gi joes and whatever's but for guys like myself who really wanted to put storm shadow on the claw the fact that he doesn't fit on the claw is a major rub okay that really really irritates me uh for this retro o-ring line um i understand that hasbro is kind of trying to do it so that they can i'm hoping that they they're doing it because they're trying to stop people from buying these figures and then selling them off as vintage figures on ebay and whatever's um at least that's what makes the most sense in my mind that they they're trying to be careful with that and they don't want to get backlash from fans and things but i just think that was a really dumb thing like if there was one thing that you that you 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 didn't have to change the size of that hasbro and i really hope that going forward with these you correct that because the fact that i can't put that backpack onto my vintage storm shadow it, that kind of bugs me so just as much as i'm like excited uh, at the prospect of having really um really cool re-sculpted accessories for these toys um you know especially if you've maybe got a v1 snake eyes and you've never been able to get a, an uzi the fact that you get two with this package means that you got one for your new one and one for your vintage one um that kind of thing is great but you know on the other <laughs> a hand 40 dollar accessory pack a 40 dollar <laughs> accessory pack but on the other hand the backpacks are not going to fit and that is going to bug people um I'm surprised I haven't seen more backlash on the internet about that, honestly. That's like literally my only thing. The price personally doesn't bug me. I don't mind the fact that technically I paid $20 a figure for these. Why don't I mind that? Because He-Man Origins uh, stuff ranges between $14 and, uh, and $18 depending on the figure if it's a deluxe or a standard. And, you know, I know that it's more plastic, but it doesn't bug me. I'm kind of expecting to pay that. Reaction figures cost the same price. And you get more out of these technically. So I'm okay with the $20 price tag. I feel like it would be stupid if they were more than that, for example. But anyway, um, I feel like that's a conversation we can definitely have more of in the future when more of these come out. Um, so that's all I wanted to say. You've been listening to episode 242 <laughs> of G.I. Joe Book. If you'd like to get hold of the show, there's a very easy way to do that. You can get a hold of us at any place with social. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We got two, we got a group and a page. Hey. But if you want to send us a love letter in the form of an email, bam. That will be read. That will be read on the episode. Uh, the address is a real South African hero at gmail.com. It'll be in the link description. It'll be in the links. It'll be it'll be in the description. I always screw this up. It'll be in the description down below. <laughs> or can we also if you just want to become part of our awesome berg force we do have a patreon if you'd like early access to this episode and every episode in the future or if you'd like to join our live studio audience uh yeah you can join these fine folks over at the gi joeberg patreon aka the berg force for as and little as three bucks a month brian nichols 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome to the berg to the force dude Brian. Welcome, Welcome to the madness. <laughs> yes, it does indeed go some way to keeping the lights on in G.I. Joe Book HQ, except, of course, when the national <laughs> grid goes down, in which case no amount of Patreon dollars is going to help South Africa. Actually, 
it is going towards me getting a personal power station for the studio. So I take it back. Again. Oof, wow, nice. there you go. Yeah. The country may be without power, but G.I. Joe Berg keeps on trucking. Thank you. Thank you, Bergforce. Thank you for supporting the show. And thank you, listeners and watchers of this podcast, for also supporting our show in your likes, your subscriptions, your downloads, your hits. Uh, Not that I ever sweat the numbers, but it's nice to know that you're out there. And thank you also to all the commentators. I love the kind Mm. of dialogue we have in the comments section below. So keep it up. Um, If you have a bone to pick with us, voice your concerns if we got it wrong tell us if we got it right tell us um if you'd like to just say have a nice day tell us absolutely <laughs> and remember gary boosie is a honey badger thank you hans for that one <laughs> <laughs> and more of that madness in the after party which you guys can join on the discord if you are part of the book force Hey, hey. Sales plug over the most skippable parts of any podcast. But it's been a pleasure being in your company. Once again, we will catch you next week. My name is Steve. I'm out. Out. Get out of here. And I'm Paul. Ninja Vanish. I'm I'm Rob. I'm just going to step away. Goodbye. Bird. <laughs> Bird. Bird. <laughs> 